Hi, this is Tony Silva. And Charles Wiz. And this is episode 69, Two Teachers Talking. And Charles and I get together, we talk about teaching. And they're teaching English in Japan and how much fun it is and all about all the times when it's maybe not so much fun. Um, today, we're talking about um, a peak teacher, excellence, or maybe sliding into mediocrity <laughs> and trying to figure out what that means. Um, just trying to figure out the trends and looking, you know, we, we talked about... Um, uh, ourselves uh, and trying to analyze what we do, self self evaluation and defining success. Uh, a few episodes sixty six, and we, in the course of our discussion, kind of the added dimension of time. We thought it was interesting to maybe probe that a little bit more and take a look at what the trends might be and kind of ask ourselves, well, are we getting better? Are we getting worse? <laughs> and why would that be? And what can we do about it? And so that's what we're going to talk about today in our last show of the year. Right, our last show of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great question, isn't it? Are we getting better? Are we improving? Are we as good? Because of, again, that comes from that statement i made once where i actually thought yeah that's that, that statement let's let's go to it so it was yeah. back in, it was in the summertime it was, it was the things were it was hot i think i was in chicago we were I on think vacation. i was drinking beer well we were yeah. <laughs> or you well, were drinking beer that, well we're supposed to drink beer that's that's the podcast right it's it's a two teachers drinking beer with a microphone on the table that that's the conceit you right? know yeah that's it, right it's exactly it's a conceit but i've never had a beer <laughs> on the table while we've been talking Nolo contendere. I'm not going to say right, a word. Yes. Right. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, this is and this is what it was. It was sixty. It was episode sixty six, and we were on vacation, and we were talking about uh, self evaluation and trying to define success. And then you said, right. I think that there's a lot of good stuff because I look back and I'd probably say my best teaching was in years two through five. You know, when I was really innovative, I was trying things and I was innovative because I didn't know and there was no other choice. And what was available wasn't working. And that's what you said. I did not say that, did I? This is why I hate doing podcasts. Because well, well, when people it's, it's can a come liability. back and they can it's say, a you said. It's a liability. But yeah, and I says, I heard it. I go, er? now either... <laughs> He said it and he didn't mean it, or he said it and he doesn't believe it, or he didn't really know what he said. Or he doesn't <laughs> know what he's talking about, which is actually the case. But this is, we're going to have to come back to this one because that's a very interesting statement, regardless of its veracity. Yeah, well, that's always <laughs> an interesting way to put it. I think it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because I've been really thinking about it a lot, Tony. Uh-huh, me too. And... Wondering whether it's really, you know, as you said, the veracity of that statement and whether it's, you know, how do, how, why would I make that statement? What do I really, reality, know? how do I measure? And the, the colorations of memory and Ooh. we know about the inaccuracy of perceptions and um, all the different kinds of ways that human brains will distort reality. Um, I'm always, the um, problem with the recency effect is uh, Daniel Kahneman talked about and thinking I think it's thinking slow and fast or thinking mm. fast and slow. I can never remember which one it is. Um, and since you mentioned that statement that we'd be talking about it today, I've really been wondering, you know, is that really true? Or was that just a novice teacher enamored with himself? Yeah. And, you know, again, you talk about like the, how memory plays games with it. It's just you, when you say that, are you remembering the teaching you, or you're remembering the, as you just said, the, the your self-evaluation at that time. You went into the classroom and you came out, and at that time you had the memories. Say, oh, I really knocked that out of the park. And you remember that, but maybe you don't remember what you actually did in the classroom. Now, well, it, to be able to ask <laughs> what you did and then be able to give it some kind of evaluation. Or, yeah, I mean, there's so many factors. That's what makes it so interesting. Well, part of the problem for me is that in my... Um, it, I guess this would have been my third year in Japan. My first year was at a, teaching at an Eikaiwa. And then I came back and I was able to teach, um, get some classes at a junior college in the uh, Hyogo area, in Nishinomiya. 
And then I got, they were happy with me enough and they renewed me for the next year as a part-time teacher. And this was a great program where I'm, I was lucky. I got the same students three days a week for a year. And the universe gave me the greatest class ever of 28 um, students who were just unbelievably highly motivated and all worked together as a group. You know, the perfect dynamic. That's a nice nice recipe there. Oh, it was. (laughs) Seriously, I remember turning to the students on the last day, I think. And I I think I was like I had tears in my eyes when I said goodbye to them because I'd never had this kind of teaching experience. And I said, you have ruined my teaching career. I will never get a class like this again. And this was in my sixth year of teaching. <laughs> and you know what? It's really true. That was the best class ever. Well, yeah, and that's, and that's, and that's interesting, too, because you, look, you, you flesh it out and you look at all the factors that contributed to that success. And, um, yeah, it's really hard to put all those, those things back together again. And it, um, there's, a, I'm, there's that terrible song from the late 60s that's bothering my mind. You know what I'm talking about. It was a, it no, took, so I, long, took so long to make it, and I'll never have that recipe again. I have no I, idea what song that oh, is. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and obviously, it's you a, and I are not going to do an karaoke <laughs> together, and I can see that you're not. For two music buffs, I can maybe understand. I'll, maybe, maybe that's Maybe I'll find that buffs. song for the intro or the outro. But okay. um, um, it wasn't MacArthur's Park, but it was like that. Anyway, um, yeah, it, it's, it kind of underscores... Uh, in 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 a kind of a sad way, how little, how much less contribution to that classroom experience the teacher has than we think. I mean, there's so many other factors, and we can only do so much. Even if you can, you know, you're capable of walking on water in that classroom. If everything else conspires against you, you ain't going nowhere. Well, that goes back to um, what's it's a certain fallacy, um, not the effective fallacy, but the one where the attributional error of attribu- attributional error, where we think that things are due to the person rather than the circumstances. So I was a great teacher that mm-hmm. year, rather than saying right. it just was all the different factors that came about. Mm. What do you think? Um, I think I think that's. <clears throat> very likely part of it and yeah very likely part of it i don't think that it's maybe for sure though it sounds like in this case it might be but i don't think that's the whole story either um i think i think there's more i think um part of the other part uh one of the other factors can be uh because uh especially you know then we were i'm guessing working harder working harder and doing more uh and so inevitably it felt as if there were more results because we were putting so much more effort into it and that now that we are able to um do certain things with less effort uh it even because we're doing less, uh, it we may feel like the results are also less somehow. I think you hit on a really good point because the, I am so far less a presence in the classroom than I was when I began. I think I was more, there was much more teacher talk. I was much more the center of the class. And now... I try, really try to pull myself and really um, restrain myself. Right. And if you can go, you know, just for a second, like go back to those 20, 25 years, consider the energy that you poured into yes, each yes, class, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I would come out of classes sweating, perspiring. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I thought at that point, and that's interesting, because back then there was this real sense that of I, it's a performance. Mm-hmm. And a lot well, of ego, I guess. A lot it still ego is too. no, it still is a performance, and it still is ego. But, but, I'm you know again to counter what you, what you said back then, it's like well, no, we, with experience, you learn to to call the unnecessary stuff, the stuff that's not productive, just don't do it. Just pull back and pull back and pull back. And what you do do, what you re, what, what reigns, and what you continue to do, are the effective pieces. 
and you and when you're not doing the other stuff that was not productive um you can add other things and that, that was kind of the thing that went through my mind when you when you, you when you made the statement it's like hmm, i don't know if that may be true yeah, but but, but, but then there's the flip side of that which mm -hmm. was the the energy um, mm -hmm. I, I brought to the classroom you mm -hmm. know the as you say the excitement it's new it's totally but more importantly i think is I was just throwing stuff against the wall to see what would stick because I didn't know so much. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what would work. And to put this in perspective, this is the communicative class, the, 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 the peak of communicative classroom teaching, right? Mm -hmm. That whole, that, the last method, I think, although I think people keep trying to come up with methods and they just don't call them methods. But the idea yeah. there was that just getting the students to communicate, there's no focus on form. There's no mm. need. It wasn't as directed. We didn't understand a lot. And It'll just happen by magic. Not necessarily <laughs> by magic, but it will happen through interaction. Mm -hmm. And that interaction was key, although that still is something I mm -hmm. will hold to, given the way the Japanese education and language education works. Well, we got a lot of evidence. <laughs> a lot of evidence to keep that part of it, yes. So that's part of, I think, maybe what we have to talk about is how much evidence we now have to know what is really effective and not effective and how much change can take place. But the point was that I'd go in and, as you said, there's a lot of extra time spent trying to find activities like, OK, I got to teach this. I got to supplement the textbook, uh, which I'm supposed to be using. I have to find a way to make this more interesting, creating games, spending hours and hours and hours designing things. And on top of that, there is another caveat that I have to add, which is this is pre-internet. Mm -hmm. This is 1989, 1990. The internet's just barely mm -hmm. beginning to take off. We don't have access to what we have now where I can kind of type in, um, yeah. right? Past, memory game, yeah, whatever. Yeah, memory it, game, past participle, right? And -dung, I have a <laughs> million activities available. So I remember that one of the the head teachers, one of the full-time teachers at this junior college came in with this thing called PRISM. Do you remember this? It was a no. published kind of printable handouts ooh, book. Ooh, 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 yeah, you remember? Ooh, ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. And what they did, they just printed this thing and you could make copies of it. And it had all sorts of great games. The best one, of course, was uh, um, um, Pet Peeves. They actually had a thing called pet peeves, and you would teach Japanese students. It drives me up the all when it drives me up the wall, the wall when, or um, it makes me crazy when, or I could scream when. And so you got to get Japanese students got to be able to talk about what made them angry. Great activity, by the way. Students mm. really love that. But I remember that that was such a wonderful thing of like, oh, somebody's made stuff that we can just copy and pass out in the classroom. It was. Uh, a really exciting thing. So we have to, again, situate all of this in a certain period of time. So, yeah, going back, um, is this all illusionary? I don't know. But I do know that my age was also closer to the students at That's that point. That's a huge factor, right? And one t yes, yes. And so when people, um, I was giving a talk once, and people asked me about, well, what do you feel about the culture gap between you and your students? And they said, and this is about five, six years ago. And I said, you know, I don't feel the culture gap, the difference of being an American versus a Japanese person, as much as I feel the generation or age gap between students. So when I was teaching at this junior college, I was 31 years old. The students were 18. I'm 57 now and my students are 18. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing, right? I keep getting older, but they keep staying the same age. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that has a lot to do with it. Um, I'm old. I, I'm the same age as my students' fathers now. You, well, I'm, I'm the same age as their grandparents. But well, you're um, not that old yet, Tony. Yes, but you're, you're yes, getting there. Yes, yes, yes. Wait I a second. Very... Hold on. An 18-year-old student? No, yeah. you're, you're, you're barely... You're, okay, maybe. I'm more than 40 years older than my students. And so are you, Charles. But anyway. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm 39 years older than my youngest student. <laughs> okay, 39, I'm 40. Anyway. Um, yeah, you we, be careful where you go. What, what are we talking about? What were, uh, that, that's said, okay. what were we talking about? We're old <laughs> enough to be their grandparents. What were we talking about? <laughs> 
So when you you talked about the age gap and the culture gap, I remember and it was on the podcast. I remember when you said it the first time. It was it was very early on, and I'm going. I don't know if that. I don't know if I feel that. I do now. <laughs> I, I can say unequivocally that yes. Um, in my interactions with students, the age gap is a much bigger thing than the culture gap. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. Whereas before, when I started teaching, it was the culture gap, and also sure. it was pretty new to Japan, right? Mm -hmm. So everything was new. Yes, and also this was also um, the students had different attitude. They were very different. Um, just, oh, that's a bit, another really big factor. Students you know, were yes, very, very different, different than they are yeah, today. You want to explain how you saw the students as being different? Because I have, again, I don't know if it's memory or not. Uh, well, but... it's gone through so many so many changes. It's, it's, it hasn't just changed. It's changed a few times. Right. And also for me, a really big factor is that the kinds of students I'm teaching is also very, very different. Mm. Um, and, and, and also that things... For, for me, that also situationally are very different. But in terms of the students, again, just to give give a little background, um, demographically, you know, when we're talking about the late 80s, early 90s, um, the bubble had just burst. But uh, there, it was still lingering idea of uh, Japan supreme, uh, that yeah, this is a temporary setback in 21st century is going to be the Japan century. Um the uh, universities were still difficult to get into. The, the the building craze, build it and they will come, hasn't hit. With no one looking at the demographics, saying that the birth rate had basically stopped. It's completely leveled out. Right. There was um, a point where nobody had thought about it. It wasn't in no the, one looked it ahead twenty years. The general consciousness. Yeah, they, they realized that you know in in ten years there are going to be you know thirty percent fewer university students. Why are we building you know fifteen new universities this year? Um, and so at that time, th th those hadn't been built yet. The universities were still difficult to get into. Uh, and uh, for students who couldn't get into universities, there were uh, schools called Semongako, which is kind of a combination between a junior college and a trade school. Uh, and those very quickly started to, the ones who weren't able to adapt and focus mostly on foreign students, pretty much were uh, right at, at very quickly about to disappear. This is where I was teaching. So I was teaching kids who uh, were unable, for the most part, to get into university. Some chose not to, in, in all fairness. And some were university graduates. <laughs> to add a little spice to the mix, some were university graduates who were coming to that school for a special interpretation translation program. So it was a full gamut of um, kids one step out of prison or um, unemployment and then university graduates or who were for all intents and purposes fluent in English. Um, but the, of course the majority were at the lower end of that scale. And um, a lot of them, even though this school uh, had built its reputation on English language, there were a lot of kids who were not there to learn English, had zero into, they were, you know, to be travel agents, to be um, flight attendants, to be uh, hotel man. Um, hotel workers, job training type thing, and uh, polishing and it's a vocational uh, school re regimentation and socialization. Yeah, so all of the, how to how to sit in a chair. <clears throat> so <laughs> my early days of teaching in Japan were focused on those kinds of kids. Whereas now, I'm teaching for the most part at really good universities, and and so the students, the type of students are different in that way. However. Um, the worlds that the, the, the two sets of students are growing up in is, is very different. And the students themselves are very different. Um, you know, the gender type thing was, was still, back then, you know, early 80s, 90s, 90s, Japan still very, very much a man's world. Um, yeah. And uh, then it was a stark, stark contrast to uh, most Western cultures. Still Still to this day, but things have changed so much in that area uh, where there's almost a new kind of Japanese feminism, which is the women have found a way to take power in their own way. Very, very different from the way that Western, the women did in Western cultures. 
Um, that is really different. The students' prospects for, for uh, work after graduation, because society is changing in terms of uh, the notion of a, a permanent job, you know, lifetime employment in Japan, that's kind of evaporating quickly. Uh, the economy, I'm not going to say anything bad about the prime minister, um, is uh, not doing that well. Um, but, and the, and the idea of, uh, and I think the one that impacts, maybe is impacting me mostly in the classroom, is that uh, despite all that, the students then were much more uh, externally focused. They had a little bit more awareness, openness, interest in things outside Japan. Um, I These days I am seeing a <sighs> shocking, uh, it, is, it is shocking, to the degree is shocking of how Japan-centric so many of my students are. Let me interrupt you for a second, Go. Tony. Can yeah. Just make that concrete for me. Okay. Uh, for example, tell me, you know, give me I, some I, concrete. I, I can, I can, I can make it very concrete because it happened. Well, thank you. It happened two <laughs> days ago. It happened two days ago. Not only is it concrete, but it's recent. Okay. Yeah, and it is. Um, this is uh, this is uh, a very good university. It's one of the top ten universities in Japan. Um, I teach uh, several advanced level freshman classes, four skills. Those courses. Say no, it's not a four skills class. No, yes, it is a four skills class. Um, it is reading, writing, speaking, and listening. And uh, part of what they do is they they have um, uh, twice this semester, two times they have um, oral exams. It's teaching discussion. Uh, it's a topics based class. Each week we do a different topic, and <clears throat> they're doing. I, I have students come in, and they're in groups of four. Um, they're on a timer. Uh, they roll a dice, propose what topic they're going to talk about, and they discuss the topic based on the research they've done, um, their discuss previous discussions in class, my lectures, um, brief, and my um, study guide, discussion question notes, et cetera, et cetera. And um, one of the uh, topics for the semester was international relationships. Um, and, of course, part of the discussion is, okay, if you meet somebody from another country, which country, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, listening to the things. And, and these kids are bright. They're, they're, they're bright and they're advanced, upper, intermediate, low, lower advanced. So there's really nothing that we can't discuss uh, in English. With a limited, with a minimum amount of support, right? Correct, correct. And You're so, not doing a lot of scaffolding with these students. No, Just kind of none. point them in the direction and they'll... Yes, and they're all and they're all foreign. A lot of English majors and a lot of foreign language majors, and they know how to study. And they're now now motivated. that's the key, right? That's that's a big key. Now these are kids are bright, really good university, English majors, foreign language majors, and I had to, at, at, this was like later in the day when I'd already done I don't know how many of these, and uh, they weren't all discussing the same topic. But again, the trend I noticed in class before, and I noticed this day, and I. <clears throat> I said, you know, <clears throat> I'm um, really kind of surprised because you know, I like Japan. I live, I live, I, you know, I live, here. I, I love living here. There's all kinds of things I really like about Japan. But I'm surprised that so many of you would are so uh, interested in staying in Japan. Okay, because we talking about, when I came here in the eighties, nineties, all my students wanted to get out. That's why they were studying English. They wanted to get out, and that has completely changed. And I says, I don't, you know, so all you guys, you, yeah, and they'll say, like, you know, I love my country. I want to live here. I want to stay here. I don't want to. I say, I don't mind traveling to other countries, but I want to live in Japan. And I, I tried to get them and say, well, you know, we. Uh, try to get more from actually why do you think that was I, I think a step that they couldn't take because obviously it's a result of their junior high school and their high school education um, which obviously has changed uh, but yes on, on that day where so many of the students were discussing the prospect of uh, marrying somebody who is not Japanese and the idea of living in a foreign country Students who are majoring in foreign languages, including English, had so little interest in living outside of Japan, would be 
unthinkable 25 years ago. Hmm. What do you think? You mentioned that you think it has to do with their Education. junior high school. Sure. High school. What do you mean by that? I think that nationalism and um, things that are taught about Japan and other countries has changed. Um, I think the media treats it differently. I think uh, the neg in news media and probably education too, a lot more than negative things about um, uh, countries, you know, other countries has increased. I think that they're painted with a much more negative brush. I think the idea of danger is over has been blown up and overstated um i don't know i don't know specifically but it but it's a marked change yeah, I, because i wonder how much has to do with the lack of security here and right we're going back to a time where it's a, i i don't i really have no idea about this but i'm thinking that i back when I started teaching, so it's 89, 90s, right? So early 90s, that if so somebody went overseas, let's say they took a year off, or they, after graduating, they went over to the United States, coming back and getting a regular job was really difficult. It was frowned upon, I think, by companies. People were expected to go through the system, and there still was lifetime employment. Whereas now, if somebody goes over for a year to get educated or spend a year living overseas, it's not, it doesn't have as much of a negative impact on their career. Is that, is that true? I, 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 mean, I, I think so. I think mm -hmm. I, I see. I don't know. Um, I think that there's a change that companies don't, you know, it's more in the sense like in America where we have a gap year or uh -huh. the idea. But there's not that much of a stigma anymore. It's saying. much less, I think. Uh -huh. I think it's much less. And I'm wondering how much of an effect that has, right? Because before you take a year off or you take a year to go live in a foreign country, you've basically said, I'm gone. I think now it's not frowned upon. There's a, a lot more openness about that. Um, so, or I, I can't verify that that's a general feeling i have mm. but i'm wondering how much of an effect that has but this is really helpful to just give you know people a sense of what it was like back then mm. and i'm just going to add just to give an example of how totally different my first few years teaching at the junior college was compared to what i'm teaching now is i would remember that on the first day of class every year in april when i would walk in that all the students would stand up do you remember that? I've had that at some schools. I, I ne yeah. I've never had that universally, but I, I've had the experience, sure. Okay, right. But it never happens now. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I remember the students would stand up, and I'd say, no, 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 please, you don't have to stand up when I walk into the classroom. And I'm thinking, okay, now, now I look back on that, and I kind of go, that was like a silly thing to give up. <laughs> and there's an example of a change, right, which is that, you know, I should actually, it's an interesting thing that just came to mind, is that I had a real belief in the open classroom, the kind of that Summerhill philosophy, right? Anything goes, total openness will lead to teaching, whereas now I believe in a more structured environment and making sure that to in involve all the students and make sure our students have an equal opportunity, I have to structure the class much more subtly than I did before. But that was a different world. Um, for example, I can't remember in the early 90s having a student ever walk behind me in a classroom to get to their table. Like the teacher area was a sacrosanct area, mm -hmm. right? And now mm -hmm. students will just, you know, start walking behind <laughs> me and I have to stop Push them. Push out of the way. Uh, actually bumping, <laughs> yes, getting by, and at good schools, good schools. Um, so I think that one of the things you mentioned is that this was just the beginning of the end of the bubble. And these were not young people who were raised in the bubble. The bubble was basically an eight-year period, right? The go-go mm -hmm. 80s, I mm -hmm. think, was like, what, about 82 to 90? No, yeah, 80 we, to 88 about, right? Yeah, we taught those kids right around the turn of the century. And, and then a few they, years and later. And weren't they fun? <laughs> oh, exactly. Now, this is an amazing thing. So anyone who's been here for a long time, right, you're still laughing. Oh, I man. remember oh, it was man. about 92 or 93 when that's the first big change I think you were talking about, right? Yeah. Then all of a sudden it was like these kids had different attitudes. I mean, they were not respectful in a lot of ways. And this was, I think, spoiled. The first, the perfect yes, yes. They yeah. were spoiled. This was the first group 
of students who had been completely raised through a bubble. In other words, pretty much from when they were 10 years old to when they were 18 was the bubble go-go years when every, right? And again, for anyone who's not here, to understand what the bubble meant, one, um, the best example I can think of is that people would be proud of the fact that they, they bought their Rolexes in Japan, even though they cost twice as much if you had bought it in Singapore or Guam, and you could have taken a vacation and bought a Rolex for the same amount of money that you paid for your Rolex in Japan. But people were like, it was a status symbol, remember? How much can you spend? I, I, I don't need to save any money, which is, by the way, that whole bubble period is, I think, where Japan really lost its soul, mm. right? All the values that I think we loved about Japan and the reason we came to Japan right? I think kind of got tossed out the window. But anyway, so there's those first group of kids, okay? And that coincides with my feeling maybe of not being such a good teacher, right? And again, it's, you know... The, it was a hard time for all of us. Yes, and anyone who's been here for a long time and remembers knows that that was a really, really difficult time. I, I would have lasted about four years, right? Four, and yeah, we, we look at a 20, you know, now, the 2020 hindsight, we can see that. But at the time, it was like, you just wrought with self-doubt. It's like, well, for only what, for the what, first two years. What After the hell the is third wrong year, with me? I'm sorry. After the third year of the same kind of students, and I had taught at a pretty difficult high school in uh, California, and I'd been working with at-risk youth, I could kind of go, hmm, okay, it's not me now. <laughs> I haven't changed that much, but I remember real attitudes from students, arrogance. Um, I remember um, a student actually turning to me at a junior college and saying, you're just a teacher here because you're a native speaker. You have no skills or talents or abilities. And I thought, wow, that's... And that's at a junior college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, that was exactly what was going through my mind. And funny enough, by the way, and this, this girl, I'll never forget her, really epitomized the everything that had changed, right? Very rude, very insulting, had an arrogant attitude. And... I ran into her two years after she graduated, and it was at she was serving she was serving coffee at a Starbucks. Beauty. Yeah, and I really <laughs> God did I really have to bite my lip and not say anything, you know? I just want to say yeah, you know, you you know a little bit of modesty and a little bit, but you know it's young kids, but they were you can't blame them, right? Again, right. that's what they grew up in. They, mm -hmm. It's the input they had received. Mm -hmm. This is the whole environment, and. It was strange. But so we have this great peak period for me, right? 91. I have the greatest class ever. I feel like I'm doing good work. The students are motivated. They're excited. I'm also getting them three days a week. Also at this school, first year English major students at a junior college got five day, five classes per week with a native English speaker, wow. three in an oral English class and then two in a listening class. So this was a real serious English language mm -hmm. program. Mm hmm. So now that I look back on it, I don't know. Now that I think back, did I really do my best teaching? I know that I have a better view. I have much more developed criteria for what is effective teaching, what is meaningful teaching. And one of the ways I can express that is that I know, again, I've said this many times, I don't believe in teaching. I think that we can create environments and opportunities for learning and that our job as educators is to properly sequence those experiences and those environments so that they lead to learning but back then i would have said yeah then i was a teacher now i would describe myself i'd actually use the term educator and i think they make a difference so i'm beginning to think maybe i wasn't doing my best teaching maybe i had a good group of students i was lucky um and that over time I've actually become better in the sense that I've culled, as you said, right? I've really culled a lot. I know which activities sure. work, which don't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. That's what, and I think it's one of the most valuable things about experience. It, it, you, you're always kind of at a loss, like what works, but you can pretty much easily eliminate <laughs> the stuff that's not working. Yes, I was going to say, I can't, I'm not sure what works, but I can know what doesn't work. And I'm much more adept at identifying really quickly what's not working. And I have a much deeper toolbox. Yeah. So yeah, that when exactly. something isn't working, I can something really adapt. To pull out. And yes. the, just to put like two other spins on, on your story there, you know, with, with the, with this, with this class, um, 
one thing is that it, if you know, we've talked about this in the summer is like measuring success. How do how do you know what success looks like? What is success in state? And we've got two aspects. It's like one, like those kids in that program, um, and Christ, they have you to be able to have them three times a week. Oh what, yeah, what a, yeah, yeah, for a, a year, what, for a know, year. What a what a difference that's. And we make. matched up really well. The di- right. you know the personality and the dynamics of the class <clears throat> matched up perfectly with my personality where I was at. And so, yeah, this is one of those things about like the you know, role of teaching. It's like, well, if you want to judge it just by results, well, maybe in terms of results, there's, there hasn't been a class that had that kind of results ever again. Again, we, we don't know how big of a role the teaching is. Right? But the other part of it is you went in there and may, this is maybe the most important thing, like the doctors do no harm. You didn't screw it up. Mm. And that is no small thing. <laughs> that is not a backhanded well, compliment. Actually, actually, that is yes. not a backhanded compliment. After you're going 30 to, that's years really... of teaching, trust me, I understand that that is not a backhanded <laughs> that is a, compliment. That is a big thing. <laughs> it's not, actually, it's, it's it's not that become, easy to avoid. You didn't screw it up. It's one of the primary metrics right now, isn't it? Sure. Don't, don't do no harm. <laughs> do no harm. Don't screw it up, right? And knowing that you will screw it up, knowing that you will hurt students, yeah, that you'll yeah, say yeah. the wrong thing, do yeah. the wrong thing, yeah. and knowing that now that that's part of it and being able to sit back and go, ah, I just did that and I can see how I did it wrong. Mm -hmm. So again, we go back to my statement and I'm beginning to really doubt it now is I thought I did my best teaching back then because I didn't really know how to teach. So I thought I was doing a good job maybe. I got lucky with a class. And now when I look back and I think, man, I I, I do things so differently now. Right. Maybe I don't have mm-hmm. the the um, the closeness with students. I'm, I'm more distant from students than I w- was before, I think. And that's also a reflection of the times. I think you'd agree with that. Right, Tony? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, also, it's also just a reflection. I mean, I remember students running up and like, you know, you know, you remember this. They'd run up and see you and they go, hi, sensei, and they'd grab you and hug you. Right. And stuff. Sure, and now well. w- when students do that, my hands go immediately up in the air. You know, it's like <laughs> the freeze motion. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Please don't do that. I don't feel comfortable with that anymore. Right. Um, I'm OK with that. I, I'm, I'm just so uh, nervous about, you know. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't think about it much. I don't think about it much. I just let it go where it's going to go and. Uh, I'll deal with it. Yeah, I understand. But I'm saying, but that's more a reflection of how I've kind of moved back and pulled back, right? And see my role kind of differently. And maybe uh-huh. I think that's an age thing. So, yeah, maybe maybe I didn't do my best teaching. I don't know. That'd be really, really, that's it's an interesting a, it's a fa- step. It's a fascinating question. I mean, that's why I jumped on it, right? And uh, yeah, the other thing that you're talking about, like, like, you thought you were doing a good job. You didn't know what you didn't know, that, that Dunning-Kruger effect. Right. Like people who don't know. <laughs> overrate themselves. <laughs> right, exactly. And, then and I think that's kind of a big part of what we're dealing with here, right? right? And there's also the part where Hattie um, talks about in an article he wrote about the effect of teachers. And it's a really interesting article, and I've talked about this before, where he looks at the difference between novice, experienced, and expert teachers. Mm. It's, and one of the big differences between experienced and expert teachers is that expert teachers have a really good model of how to understand what's happening in the classroom. They have a lot more ability to sense where things are going and to evaluate. And it's, it's, kind of, it's obvious. He talks a lot more in depth about this. And I should reread the article. It's one of the articles I always give to my, my seminar students to read. Right. And I can, I can see that exactly because... If you think of my thinking about myself, younger, inexperienced teachers, you, you think class starts, you're doing something, whatever it is, and you become painfully aware that you're off the rails. So this is not <laughs> things are not going the way that you thought they were going to go back in the teacher's room, and you panic, and and you don't and and you get lucky or or not, and something happens and the class ends and either learn you know you learn something one way but the class becomes a success or not or you pull out of it or or it bombs the more experience you have the more likely is that when you see it going off the rails okay this has happened before i i know what to do in this situation or i think i did it worked the last time i'm going to try it again it's like oh this is or it's like oh yeah okay this is happening again i know what to do and it works or so you sit back and and you think okay you 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 draw on your experience and look it's like well maybe i'll try this but you don't panic anymore right and you're so right i think about 
experience and knowledge. It's um, the great line from Groundhog Day, <laughs> where Bill Murray is sitting around, and at one point he says, well, maybe God's not omnipotent. Maybe he's just been around so long he knows exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a great line. Um, and it's really true that you've been in the classroom so many hours. I don't know how many hours I've been in the classroom and how many students I've taught, that it's really gotten much easier to see right away when something is or is not working and to make a small tweak based on experience. And that's what I mentioned at the beginning. Remember where I said, I'm throwing stuff on the walls to see what's happening. Yeah, so, exactly. And I know exactly that feeling. You go in there and you get all, again, you see all this energy and you just, yeah, throw everything out there and see what happens. And, and I think what happened is I came up with my own activities. I came up with that, really exciting exactly. things. Right. Yeah, me too. And I had, I had a master's and servants. <laughs> it was fantastic. I had, the masters got to wear, I had these, these I, out of A3 paper, A3 size paper, I made these Pope miter type hats. Okay. And these were the masters. And then they had like they pull like a little slip out of the thing, and then they had to go ask a student. And then if the student made a mistake, they didn't do it to the, to the master's satisfaction. Then the master can make them do anything that they want. It was insane. It was insane. But, but I, that's I like having, one. That's one way to describe. It. And 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 but these kids again back at the Simogago, everyone's it. running around. They loved it. They're they're making each other speak English. They're rewarding each other. They're punishing each other. And it's and it's nuts. <laughs> and it was yeah, and it worked. It was great. Yes, and <laughs> I remember spending hours and hours on a a coding system game for I understand I don't understand. Please say that again. Where depending if you were in team one, team two, team three, team four, team five, you could shout out like different colors and they'd mean different things. But if you weren't in that team of three people. You'd have no idea if somebody was saying, I understand, I don't understand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it shows you, you know, I tried it out and then I stopped using it. <laughs> it's just too, <laughs> right? So I'm beginning to think now back to my statement that it was a novice teacher thinking that he was doing well and given some positive feedback from certain classes and given the nature of students that... Um, I was doing well. And by the way, to put things but, but in perspective... Does, but doesn't necessarily mean that you weren't doing well. I understand that. That's the but, thing, right? But but what we're really talking about, the real issue here, the, the real important part of the discussion, isn't whether I was doing better or not. Is if you're doing better now... Is Am I doing better now? And, and if am not, I any not? more accurate in my perceptions now <laughs> than I was then? And... Just to put it in perspective, there was no such thing as teach student evaluating teachers back then, right? It was there was no faculty um, development back then. Well, there. In terms of fa- I'm yes, not sure I there's know. any faculty development now. I'm just trying to give um, the uh, again some just background there. But I'm I'm thinking that I think at that Semongako, I think there was teacher evaluations. Okay, I don't remember them. I well, this this might have been a, an artifact of that particular place. We had its own unique atmosphere. It, it as I used to tell, I, I you know I was the 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 supervisor. As I would tell my teachers, it's like, well, they're doing this thing. And they, no, no one looks at them until you do something else wrong, and then they'll look at your evaluations to find a reason to fire you. Right. Well, that's how I remember. What, what, <laughs> that's what yeah. I told. Them. This is what it's like. No one looks at it, no one's thinking until you screw up some other way, and then 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 they'll pull it out and they'll say you're getting fired, not because of what you did wrong, but because of the something negative on your evaluations. Well, I remember once we were talking about these evaluations, and you you brought up the great point about spy questions, mm. which was like, for example, does a teacher begin the class and end the class on time? That has right. no place on a on yeah. a teacher evaluation form. That's management trying, as you said, that's management trying to find out some information. Hmm. But I was just trying to use that as an example of what the times were like back then. Mm. So the really important question is, am I more effective now? And am, what am I doing is more effective? How do we measure it? I think there's been a real movement towards coming up with really, or, or attempting to come up with effective metrics that actually can measure. I think, for example, added value you know, measuring where students are at the beginning and then measuring where students are at the end and looking at what you've done. I'm more concerned with those. I'm more concerned with looking at what my students learn, but maybe not necessarily again in language. This is what um, Kim 
was talking about, right? Um, the general idea of being an educator more than a language teacher, mm-hmm. um, right? To have my students develop certain critical thinking skills, have they developed certain, you know, um, abilities or understandings of how to be more autonomous learners, et cetera. And again, looking back, we weren't concerned with autonomous learners or independent learning back then. Hmm. Uh, those terms hadn't really come into the mainstream. And in 1992, essentially, SLA was a 15-year-old field. It's 1967. By the way, if you do a Google Ngram of um, SLA, for example, it's flat, flat from like 1800 or whatever. It's flat. And then it starts spiking in 1967. Hmm. And of course, that's the the Pitt Quarter article on the significance of learner errors. And it was a new field, right? It's hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We were, what, so 1967 to 1992, you're looking at 25 years, which is unbelievably young for a field. Hmm. And it hadn't... Um, developed in the way it's been developing for a long time so yeah now that we've been talking tony i'm beginning to think nah you know maybe maybe i was just young and this there was more personal interaction with the students and i was using i'm using that or in memory trying to remember that that's how i thought i did a better job rather than the fact that now i wouldn't evaluate myself the same way so, yes, I think I've just gone back on what I've said. Thank you for creating all the entire episode and getting me to contradict myself. Well, it's, it's a good contradiction. It would be, it would be, it would, I think it would be very sad if you really, if we ended this discussion with you thinking that you have not gotten better. Well, you know, I still don't know. I have lots yes, of you doubts. Do. Yes, you do. You know, catch, you, you, catch me at, you, okay. you know you're better than you were 25 years ago. You know that. Okay. Good. All right. That's what I want to hear. All right. I don't, but yeah, better. Mm, I think I'm more effective. I'm, I can manage the classroom better. I manage my time better. I can identify things better. But I guess that, that part of me in the back, you know, that was like, well, I don't, it's just, there's a certain. Well, you talked about those factors. Yeah. It's like, you know, the, I miss one, those, the, the yeah. age thing. Yeah, we, I do too. I miss, and I miss yeah, just that the energy, right? I miss that the energy, energy that... the jumping, the, the classes were jumping. They were hopping. Like you talk about the, 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 what was it with the, the, the meter hats or whatever those are, miter hats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, and I just, I, I can, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> the class is unbelievably noisy. And, and, and wands. They had wands. Right? <laughs> and you're running around the class kind of engaging with the students and like working it right yeah, to- totally off the whereas now nuts, yeah. now if that happened i would just sit in the corner <laughs> quietly and watch right yeah yes. well but but it still works though that's a now, point it works better because the focus it works is more because on them yeah, yeah exactly and so you're better yes that's better yes. it's less fun maybe yeah, you know that's it ways, that's right? it that's it tony that's it exactly i definitely it's, 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 better. It's, i can't say it's less fun it's, it's a different kind of fun it's it's no because with my ego it's less fun. <laughs> it's like, I'm definitely not the center of attention, and I work very hard to make sure I am not the center of attention in the classroom mm. any longer. Mm. And you know, there's that part of me that's a performer, you know, a failed actor, whatever you want to call it. And you know, sitting back and having, I you know, really doing that, pulling back, and trying to really disappear, be, mm. and so that I can actually observe what's happening. Right. Students, you know, will they'll think oh, he's not doing anything. But, you know, I'm watching and listening because here's here's one way where I'm definitely better. I can sit in the front corner of a room and be able to hear a conversation going in the back. And I can know how to view the conversation to look for all the visual clues that help me understand what's going on so that I can pick up and see what students are doing and then later make comments mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, provide feedback. Yeah. But. Yeah, that less fun. It's it's a different kind of fun, and in a, because it's a different kind of fun, it's a little bit less fun. But it feels more professional now. It feels better. It yeah. feels you know more more scientific in a sense, more results oriented, more um, based on a lot of experience to know how to measure and say, ah, oh, you know, that was a fun class, but I don't know how much learning occurred. 
Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Whereas before, the metric was maybe fun. How much fun was it? Okay, because that was a big thing also. Remember, you'd get hired for a job, and one of the things they'd say is, well, one of the major reasons for students to take this class is for them to have some contact right. with a, a, a foreign person because they have had no contact with a foreign person before. And so, you notice that that doesn't happen anymore. No they, one ever course, says that. They, no, they want their English scores. And that, that's a, that, that, uh, that we'll talk about the shift that I had before where the kids wanted to get out. That's like another facet, I think, of the same thing um, where, yeah, the true, and this is one of my, one of my things, yeah, the, uh, there is no desire or need or prioritization of international experience. Um, stay here. Learn English. Take your TOEFL test get your course. Score and get your take job. your TOEFL test yeah. score, right? I yeah. yeah, it's like don't even get me. Yeah, we, that's another episode, right? To pet peeves, talk about yeah. pet peeves. Are and I yeah, and we're winding test down pet preparation pe courses. Pet peeves. I want to get one real big pet peeve in here uh, uh, for me, which is when we talk about when I think about um, you know myself as a teacher and my um, performance as a teacher and ability to perform. Um, and this is a this is a, I don't want I don't want this to turn into a you know a rabbit hole you know a rabbit thing where we go into a, a big discussion because we're running out of time, but uh, I've got to mention it. One of the things that I know, um, and we talked about making this game right. You know, talking about this insane game that happened. And I had a heavy workload then. Uh, and I was you know full time. I had administrative responsibilities. I had like between thirteen to fifteen. 50-minute classes a week. Um, and I was 25 years younger. I'm 25 years older. I don't have that kind of energy anymore. Mm. Duh. Duh, um, yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm in the classroom almost twice as much, twice as much time a week. I'm in the classroom 27 hours a week. And it's not by choice. Not that I don't love the work. Uh, I love the work. But I know that the amount of work that I have to do to to support myself and my wife um, severely impacts my teaching effectiveness. I teach five, 500 to 600 students a week. Um, the total number of students that I've taught in Japan now I think is about 12,000 to 13,000. Um, that's like, you know, five, 600 kids a year. Um, and it, it bugs me. It bugs me, and uh, and interestingly, um, you know, you you sent me an article ah, right. today about the novel, the novel. Uh, yes, and there's a there's a there was a, a book written in the '60s. It's called Stoner, which is nothing to do with, <laughs> let's with let's it, which is, I thought it was about. But this is the man's name. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. yes. I, I had the Bill, exact same. <laughs> Bill Stoner, uh, written by John Williams, um, and it's basically a case study uh, of a a fictional you know, case study uh, uh, yeah case, a fictional case study of, of a, uh, someone who grew up and became a teacher and taught universities and and re, you know tired and, and a whole series of hard knocks along the way uh but which is now for you know academics in the united states a fictional world because of you know no one state no, no one gets <laughs> no one gets a tenured position anymore and 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 you know the stability uh, throughout his whole life but the person who wrote the review in the new republic uh, was talking about her job and as much as you know our brethren back there in the united states <laughs> universities um you know yes adjunct professors hard wrote a hole uh but uh, talking about her job where she teaches writing at Harvard and her, her, her teaching load is two classes a week. That are meeting for three hours a week. Okay. So, so she's, she's teaching six hours a six, week. Six yes, hours so a week. I just want to make sure people understand. It's not just, it's six hours compared to what do you teach? How many hours a week? Eight, uh, 27. Okay. And uh, and her classes and her classes are limited to twenty. Yeah, and it's a writing class, right? And yeah. um, I have this integrated class, and those classes are required to have a written paper each semester. And each of those 
four classes has so so it's not just the, what how many classes but like four of those classes have more than 40 students a class and each of those students writing a paper so comes the end of the semester i have for that one day at that one university 170 research papers to read and correct that impacts my effectiveness as a teacher <laughs> um yeah with um with with half the classes right with nine you know, and, and at that that still would be a, a very heavy teaching load if I had nine classes instead of 18, that would be a full-time job, easily, uh, especially the type of classes that I have. And then there's not all the same classes. You talk mostly about speaking. You know, yes, that's true, but I've got Monday three preps, and Wednesday I've got two preps, and Friday I've got three more. And so it's like 12, 11 to 12 discrete preparations per week. Uh, that's rough. I, Yes, it's rough. <laughs> and I understand that, and I think that's a big change is that we're it's much more of a machine now a factory and the idea that a teacher was is a special position a teacher an educator is a specially trained person and now you're just a you're just a replaceable gear mm -hmm. you're, 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 machine. You're, you're you're part of the machine and you're replaceable mm -hmm. right and you know this is again what was um discussed in your interview with Kim Cannell's professionalization of the field, right? Mm -hmm. But the flip side of that has been the objectification yeah. of very much so educators. Is just you're just you know like you're a dime a dozen now, right? Yeah, and we can replace you at any time. And that's by the way represented the fact I was, when you were talking about when you started out, Tony. I remember the semester was twelve weeks long. Yeah, <laughs> right. We now yeah. teach. 15 or 16 or 16 which basically means we're teaching all eight comma eight extra weeks of teaching and you've pointed this it's out it's a 33 so, it's a 33 percent increase in your workload with no change in your salary with no change in your salary and i'm beginning to wonder how much the fun part of the job is because there isn't that lengthy of a refresh period I remember when I was um when the semesters were shorter and I didn't have so many responsibilities I, I know what you're going to say Go at, please say it then for me and say. Then at the, at the end of the vacation, you're actually looking forward to going. Practice. I remember. <laughs> I, yes, I remember. Yes, I, do you remember like yes. around around the beginning of September after you'd only been off for about you know six weeks, right? Only six weeks, by the way. <laughs> remember the, the yeah, it's like yes, but I remember getting like oh man, I want to get back in the classroom. Yeah. Antsy, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're looking forward to going Part of back that to was work. the refresh period because if you, sure. we, most, you know, our audience are educators or teachers. And if anybody out there is not a teacher who's listening, I strongly suggest you try to spend a week teaching uh, 20, 25 hours worth of classes in a week and then see whether or not you have any energy to vacuum your floor. <laughs> Remember how tired we were on the weekends? Were? <laughs> I was being subtle, Tony. I was being subtle. So I think, again, maybe it's not us, right? Maybe there's all these changes that have occurred right. that we need to really look at. And it's interesting because I've never thought about it, Tony. I've, I've had this idea that I did my best teaching. And because we mentioned it and decided to run with it today, I'm now beginning to look back and kind of going, whoa, I've... Maybe I thought I was doing my best teaching because I was much more appreciated by the um, administration back then. Mm -hmm. I don't think uh, um, teachers are appreciated by administration. And, you know, there's um, I don't remember the the Kyomukas, right? Mm -hmm. Having as much power as before. Uh-huh. Right? Um, and especially, I think, I feel, and this is a perception, but I know a lot of other teachers feel this, and this is true in America, that there are a lot of people who have never been in the classroom or not in the classroom telling us what to do mm -hmm. and telling us what we have to teach and what the goals and objectives are. And that's taken the joy away. I remember I went into, when I got this job at this one school, I turned to the full-time guy. There were two full-time guys there. And one guy was kind of the default head of the program, right? And I said, what are the objectives? And he was like, well, we've never really discussed that. We assumed that, <laughs> right? It was it's chapter 15. <laughs> Finish the book. That's the objective. Right. But no, no, it was different. Oh. 
No, I've had that before. You know, uh-huh. that, you know that joke where I actually did that a few years ago, about three years, four years ago. I got was teaching two comb at a school, and I went to the person who was responsible for my part of the program. I said, "What? What are the objectives of the course?" And they said, "Finish the textbook." And I just was like, "Oh God, would you? How you have no right to be responsible for this part of the curriculum?" Anyway, what this guy said to me was that we trust you to be able to, you know, teach that course according to your strengths and what you do well. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) He says, we don't really have programmatic objectives, but he also looked and talked about it a little more. But I just remember there was a basic understanding that you were trusted in the classroom. Uh Uh-huh. Right? That, you know, and people would sit around and talk, including the full-timers, but there was a basic trust. There was nobody coming down on you. There were no coordinated programs back then, right? And, of course, if you want to know what we think about coordinated programs, please listen to that episode. <laughs> so it was a totally different time. So, yeah, I'm beginning to think, huh, maybe not so true. Maybe it was just a matter of the time and being young, naive, um, it was a different era with a different attitude towards teachers, and the students had different attitudes. There were different expectations. Hmm. Yeah, big old complicated thing. And as I usual, didn't, I didn't, I didn't want you selling yourself short on this because oh. I think you're misguided. Well, I think everyone who knows me knows that I am a misguided <laughs> soul. You know, but, I mean, look on the web page, right? Our web page. No, look at my but, picture. <laughs> but yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, that's I know how you, I feel. And and you are so conscientiously negative, self self <laughs> self analytic, and it would be like an alternate universe if after twenty five years you in fact were doing a worse job than you were twenty five years ago. Sorry, not buying that one. Okay, <laughs> that would be like insane old world. Upside down, inside out. Okay, but I will... Alternative universe. I'm sorry. I will point out one significant difference, and I think it's not a good, a positive growth, is I'm less patient than I used to be. Uh, I'm less tolerant of I um, think I think that is going to be another episode. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm with you there, buddy. (laughs) And, you know, but... I don't know if that's a bad thing. High, it's not a bad thing. I mean, higher expect it goes in with higher expectations, well, right? And that is a reflection of I'm my opinion, um, the fact that we are doing a better job. We expect and demand and get generally better performance behavior in the classroom and when it's not met that's not acceptable anymore. Yeah, we should really explore this one because I'm just thinking yeah. I'm thinking that from what you just said is Uh that i know based on experience (laughs) by the way do you remember did you see peggy sue got married do you remember with kathleen turner she goes back in time it's kind of like back to the future and she in the middle of her algebra class she slams her book shut and says to the teacher i know from experience that i will have absolutely no use of this in my life (laughs) i know from experience right so here's Mm -hmm. what i do know i know from experience that if students come into the classroom with a willingness to learn, I can take them really far. Uh-huh. That's what I now know. Before, I believed I could take anybody there. So uh, okay. tempered expectations, okay. right? I don't know. I mean, so we. Need, I'd, this is a great, it's a good follow-up episode. We really need to look at that, the whole patience and how we feel about that, right? I'm typing it now, and maybe you can hear me. I can't hear you typing. Can I hear? I'm going to put my ear know. to the microphone. Oh, that doesn't work, does it? <laughs> maybe that's why my sound is so muffled. Hey, Charles, what's that bumping sound on the microphone? Oh, that's you my. Might be, you might maybe that's a my teacher. Headphones. You might be a better headphones. teacher, but your tech skills, I'm, I'm afraid, are they're going down. They're going down the rabbit hole really quickly. <laughs> and maybe that's an indicator that we are done here. Okay. All right. Thanks, Tony. Well, this turned out okay, huh? I well, it went totally differently than I expected. Mm. Yeah, actually, me too. And me too. But interesting. Yeah, but by the way, for just for the audience' sake, this was one of those episodes where we really didn't sit down and talk it over. <laughs> no plan. Usually, you know, we we spend some time talking about where we want to go, what we want to talk about. A little bit of planning. We try to keep it as kind of fresh and kind of as much of a, a jam session as possible. But today, we intentionally stayed away from that. 
Mm. Right? We definitely yep. said, no, we're not going to talk. Let's just Didn't see know where we this thought. goes. Didn't know where we were going. Nothing. Yeah. So for me, it's been it's 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 been an interesting kind of way to track myself. Although I think I'm going to be scared to listen to this podcast. But it's a good time to call it quits as I bang my head, my earphones against the microphone again. <laughs> so I'm Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. And we are two teachers talking and at the end of the year. Yeah. We want to wish everybody a wonderful Merry Christmas, Happy New Year coming up. Um, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, um, uh, and whatever the other We would are. also like to let everybody know that um, for the official start of the year, which really isn't January for us, is April, mm. we are going to have um, an interview with Paul Nation. And, and that'll be around. There'll be springtime, huh? Springtime. I think that'll like be March, our maybe? April. Well, well, we'll do the interview March, in April, March, oh. maybe, and we'll be airing that podcast in the spring. And if any of you don't know Paul Nation, Paul Nation is one of the foremost researchers in the world with vocabulary learning and second language learning. But more importantly, for a super smart guy who has really influenced the learning of languages... He's a very teacher-centered um, person, so that he's very practical and he has lots of insights into teaching. So, if any of you know your friends who might be interested, please pass it on. We're really looking forward to that. It's going to be interesting, and I'm going to have to really do my homework mm. <laughs> for that interview. I'm going to have to read what's happening, Paul. Better you than me. Ah, uh, good point. Good point. <laughs> good point. That's true, but it, it'll come around. Mm. So we'll have some other episodes scheduled. Um, we're looking forward to it and just hope everyone has a really wonderful holiday season yeah happy holidays to everybody okay and to you too Tony yeah you too Charles alright so you can hear us on Two Teachers Talking on iTunes and Two Teachers Talking at gmail.com Two Teachers Talking dot com right there we go anything else that is it that's the major thing so okay Tony thanks again for the discussion really appreciate it alrighty fun you have a good one okay see you bye